This podcast is a love letter to my VAs, OBMs, and PMs out there. I see you. You started your business for the freedom. You started your business for your family. You started your business for a million other reasons that only you know. But you're stuck and you're struggling. Well, no more. Get ready to move. Get ready to grow and learn together. We're here to work through the tech, work through the growing pains, and work towards a business that you can fall in love with over and over again. See that woman over there who's running it like a boss? Let's go ask her how she did that. Hello there and welcome to season three, episode 43 of the How She Did That podcast. We are kicking off season three, which can you even believe that it's season three already of this podcast? We're kicking off this season with my first Ask Me Anything Q&A. So a couple months ago, I sent out an email to my email list. So make sure you get on there somehow if you're not on there already. Sent out an email asking them to submit questions to ask on this episode. And I got some really great ones. So we've got about uh, seven to 11-ish questions, I think, that I'm going to answer on this episode. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about season three. Before we get started on the Q&A part, I want to tell you a little bit more about how season three is going to go. I'm so excited about this season for you guys because I think that this will be really transformative for those of you who have been in business for a while and are looking to grow and create that extra push. You're looking to step into your CEO power, as I like to call it, right? And do some new and big things with your businesses, whether that be hiring your first team member, becoming an agency, any of those pieces that are kind of more advanced. So I'm considering season three for the more seasoned OBMs, VAs, project managers out there that are looking for that next level. Now, do not fret if you are brand new to your business or if you're a newer VA, OBM, PM, you're still going to get so much information in this season. I think you'll have some really great takeaways, but um, some of it might be things that you just need to put in your back pocket for now and not really act on because remember, you wanna be focusing on those foundational pieces before you start doing any of the other crazy bits, right? That we're probably gonna talk about. But I am so excited about this season. I have interviewed some of the most amazing women ever. I always get really excited for podcast week when I do all of my interviews with all of my guests because they just get me so excited for the season, for the future of my own business. They're just amazing, amazing human beings in general and just amazing businesswomen that have so much information and so much genius that we can gleam off of. So with that, that's what's coming down the pipeline in season three. Let's head into our Q&A. So our first question is from Wanda, and she asks, how did you transition from offering VA services to becoming an OBM slash agency? And Wanda, I think that's a great question. I get that question a lot. And for me, it was really a natural progression, I would say. When I first started as a virtual assistant, I had to research what virtual assistants did before I even started my VA business because I just started seeing the term VA out there, right? And then once I started my virtual assistant business, then I started seeing the term 
project manager and OBM out there. Now I will say that before I became an OBM or before I even really understood and knew what that was, I actually thought about doing more project management and going that route before I decided to more so go the OBM route. My agency does offer both online business management and project management services now, but I really thought, okay, I think I wanna go the the PM route, the project management route. And then what kind of led me into being an OBM is I think I'm really, really great with team, with managing people, and that's one of the things that I love doing. In addition to that, I like those higher level things. So I really love figuring out integrations, figuring out the strategy behind where everything goes. So I thought that becoming an OBM really married what I love about being a VA, And because I do love implementation pieces and what I loved about project management as well, because I do love the management piece. So OBM work really married that. In addition to that, a lot of times it was an easier stair step for me to kind of step into the role of OBM and have that conversation with a client rather than a project management role, which is sometimes not as needed on an ongoing basis with the types of clients that I was serving. So that was the stair step that I made for that. In terms of how I leveraged that with current clients, I really just had a conversation with the help of my coach at the time with how I was going to do that. And for me, it was a really scary step because of course we're worried that all of our VA clients are going to say like, your new rates don't work for me. You know, I'm piecing out, I'm gonna find somebody else. And honestly, that did happen for some of my clients, but I knew that as I was transitioning my business, I wasn't going to be able to take everybody on that new journey with me. And so I kind of mentally prepared myself for that. And I think that that was really, really helpful and making sure that my mindset was prepared for the coming exodus. (laughs) That might be a little dramatic. It wasn't really an exodus, but understanding that not everybody was going to continue being a client of mine, right? And so what I did was I made a list of the clients that I loved, that I definitely wanted to keep. I made a list of the clients that I was just like, you know what? I like working with them, but if they said no, like I wouldn't be upset about the outcome. And then the clients that I was like, okay, I really do want to offboard these clients anyway. And so I started with the clients that I wanted to offboard anyway. And once they said either yes or they said no, then I was able to get up that confidence of like, okay, this is working, right? Then I went to the next piece of my list, that kind of next tier. And then I went to the third tier of clients. And that was really, really helpful. So I hope that helped you. Uh, The other thing in terms of agency is I was in a full year-long one-on-one and group coaching program specifically for agency owners. And I really think that that was helpful. Having other people there who were building agency model businesses was really helpful in figuring out what I wanted my agency to look like, what I wanted my team to look like, my org chart, all of those pieces. And it's still a work in progress. We are always figuring out what the best way forward is for the Launch Guild and figuring that out together as a team. But that's kind of where we are now and uh, how I got there. So great question. This next one is from Angie. How do you turn work off in your mind when the clock says your workday is over? I have set hours, but I find that because I work where I live, when small things pop up, I feel a need to quickly take care of it. But it's never quick and I can end up working all day long if I'm not careful. I know that can lead to quick burnout. So I need to set even stronger boundaries. I love that you're thinking about that, Angie. And yes, if you are working all the time, that can definitely lead to burnout. And we definitely don't want that because you have to always think about that you are building 
a long-term sustainable business, right? Sustainable and long-term being the really important pieces of that. If you are doing too much, you're going to burn yourself out. Just like if you're starting to train for a marathon, you don't start with 26.3 miles or 23.6 or whatever the heck it is. I don't run marathons, (laughs) but you don't start there, right? You build up and you burn out if you do too much. Same thing with our business. So what I like to do is, first of all, I give myself permission to make a schedule that works for me. So for you, maybe that means that you work in the morning and then you come back and you work a few hours in the evening or late afternoon. Whatever works for you, be okay with that. I think that what's happening right now is we're getting this pendulum swing of, you know, you should be able to take Fridays off or you shouldn't work weekends or The question that I ask and that I've been asking myself when I've felt that I've been putting those boundaries on myself is why, right? I'm building something that works for me. So if not working in the middle of the day, but working in early mornings and then coming back to work in the evenings for a couple hours works for me. And if that works for you, then that's totally fine. But you want to build a structure that works for you, your energy levels, all of those pieces. Now, coming back to your original question of how do I turn my mind off? I actually go through, I have my whole to-do list in Asana. I go through, make sure that everything that I needed to get done has gotten done, check off all of those things because checking things off in Asana feels amazing, right? (laughs) And then I also make sure that I check my email one last time. I make sure that I've checked all of my Slack messages, that my team doesn't have anything that needs to be done before the end of the day. And then I go back into Asana and I make sure that I have everything planned out for the next day. So I look at what meetings and all of those pieces I have, what to-do items I have to do for the following day, and then I can close everything. So that works for me. But the other thing that I've also started doing is going into, we call it a gym. It's just an extra bedroom that we have that has our treadmill and all of our weights and everything. So going into our gym room, And either stretching, doing like a five or 10 minute full body stretch, doing a five minute meditation, something that transitions my brain. The other thing that's really helpful is I like to end my workday by the time my husband comes home. And so that's a really, another really natural transition. He usually gets here around five, a great opportunity to say, okay, he's home now. This is our time to like enjoy time together, enjoy time with the dogs, make dinner, all of those pieces. Now I will say that it's still really difficult to completely turn my brain off. I usually end up checking my email a couple times, but I don't, unless it's an absolute client emergency, which there are hardly and very rarely actual client emergencies, then I don't do anything about those action items. I may just know, okay, that's coming up for tomorrow. But I've even tried to not do that as much because that takes me out of the moment of stepping actually away from my business, right? So I think it's important to figure out, number one, what works for your brain, your body, your business, and then number two, what works in terms of how can you best turn it off, right? Creating that to-do list for the following day, as well as taking some time to do a meditation, right? Do a a calm down meditation. I've also known people who have actually deleted like Facebook or their email off of their phone every single night so that they can't actually check it. And maybe that's something that you need to consider if you really are finding that you can't turn it off. So hopefully some of these or one of those helps you out. This next question is from Christy and she asked, how did you choose a mentor when first starting out? So Christy, I recently did an entire episode on this. That was episode 40. But you know what I realized after I finished that episode? 
uploaded it, all that stuff. I didn't actually talk about the difference between a coach and a mentor. (laughs) So when I think of coaching, I think of a coach as a guide who's going to ask you the questions that you need to be asked in order to pull out what's already inside of you, what you already know, what your gut is already telling you. And then it's kind of a guide for that. In terms of mentors, I think of them as people in your own industry who have already been there and done that and can show you more of the how-to, can guide you on that how-to. Now, I've had both coaches and coaches who have also been mentors, and the coaches who have been mentors have definitely been other people who have already had agencies, been project managers, been online business managers, who have been able to help me in the actual tech and stuff like that of it instead of a coach who can coach me on business strategy in a broad sense, but not necessarily in my actual industry. And I've really found really great help and support from both of them. It just depends on what you actually need at that time. So I think that that's the difference between a coach and a mentor. But definitely if you want the full version of how I chose all of the coaches that I've worked with over the span of the last three years, head on over to episode 40. That'll really help you get the full idea of that. This next question also is from Christy and she said, I have so many questions, (laughs) but the one I can't really find an answer to is what does a project manager do and even how does email management work? I can't visualize how the normal common tasks work. I do understand it will greatly vary by client, but what, how does this work? I love these questions. Okay, so let's break down the project manager one first. So it really depends on the industry that you are in. You are correct that it's going to greatly vary by client. I'm gonna talk to you about how it works in the types of clients that we serve, which are course creators and coaches for the majority of our clients. So with our types of clients, usually they have a lot of things that they're launching. So that could be a new course, it could be a new group program, it could be a new one-on-one type service, something that they're launching out into the world, right? And they need help because there's a lot of moving components. There's copy, there's tech, there's design, there's Facebook ads, there's all of these different components. There's a challenge or a webinar leading into the launch, right? So that project manager is the key person that creates the project plan so that looks at it from a bird's eye view and has a conversation with all of the key players that are going to be working on this project and kind of reverse engineers the whole process, figures out what needs to be done all the way from the high level view, all the way down to the nitty gritty and when it needs to be done by and by whom. So they are managing not only the project plan once it's created, but they're also managing the people involved in it. That way, the actual CEO, the visionary, our client isn't bogged down by having to manage all of the details while also managing all of the people and while also trying to be the visionary and try to execute all of these things, right? Because you have to remember that they're also building this new thing as well as having to be visible so that the new thing sells. So we want to be able to get them into the place where they just have to build the thing, do the things that they can only do, which is to build the thing and to be visible doing either their, you know, their challenge or their webinar or whatever, things that they can only do so that the project manager is managing everything else behind the scenes. Hope that helps on that one. And then your other question about how does email management work? So normally this is, we normally start by cleaning up an inbox, right? And then also usually it's a support inbox for the most part. So it's an inbox that 
if they have clients or if they have course members or something like that, that's the inbox that they can go to and ask all of their questions. And we help them by answering those questions, by being in that inbox. So that once again, the CEO, the client, the visionary doesn't have to be in the inbox answering questions that other people can ask or other people can answer rather. So that's kind of how email management works. And we figure out who needs to answer this question, who needs to be in on this conversation. Hope that that makes sense and hope that answers both of your questions. Okay, Stephanie is up next and she said, I would love a day in the life of rundown of what a normal day looks like if that even exists. <laughs> I would also love to hear what your long-term goals are, continuing growing your agency, courses, memberships, affiliate stuff, or all of the above. I love these questions, Stephanie. Okay, so let's talk about day in the life of, and you are correct that there really isn't a normal quote unquote day in the life of. It really depends on what's going on, what projects we have, what support my team needs, all of those pieces. But what I normally do any day of the week, so we'll start with what happens during every day of the week. So normally I check in with my email first thing in the morning, I check in with my team first thing in the morning, and then I also check in Voxer because that's where my one-on-one and my group coaching clients can get a hold of me. So I usually check those three places. That's what I do first, first thing in the morning to make sure that they all feel supported so that as I'm going into my day, I'm not feeling bogged down with going back and forth and trying to check those things. I do try to check in with all three of those places again, at least twice probably during the day, another, you know, for another time to make sure that there's nothing that has come up that's super urgent. But what I'm trying to do as I'm growing more into the CEO role is to get out of being in those places all of the time. Because what I found was that there, once again, aren't really that many emergencies And there's nothing that I can solve in the moment that I can't solve, you know, four hours down the line. So trying to put some parameters and boundaries around that. But that's what I normally do is make sure that like all people in my life feel supported in that. So I kind of have my days of the week, Monday through Friday, structured into different zones or different things that I'm working on. Mondays are definitely the most of a catch-all day. So that's really a doing day. So Friday, I look at, okay, what do I need to get done on Monday? What's coming down the pipeline? What do I need to plan for or what do I need to do because we have a meeting with XYZ client end of the week or something like that? So Mondays, I put as kind of a catch-all going to check in with my team and then just going to be doing a lot of things, right? It's a huge to-do list on Mondays usually. Tuesdays and Thursdays are a lot of meetings and huge coaching days for me. So Tuesday mornings, we have our weekly team meeting for the whole Launch Guild team. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have the rest of my one-on-one and group coaching clients. That's also the day, Tuesdays and Thursdays are the day that I can meet or usually do meet with ongoing clients. So I like to personally do check-ins with all of the Launch Guild clients at least every other month, if not more so, if that's what they need. So normally when we have a new client, I'm personally checking with them every couple of weeks and then it usually goes to like monthly and then every other month as needed because we have other team members who are supporting them on a more ongoing basis, of course. And then Wednesdays are another doing day. So anything that's come up Monday and Tuesday that needs to be done usually gets done on Wednesdays. Now, Wednesdays are also usually a lighter day for me because Tuesday has been majorly heavy, right? Like I know that this coming Tuesday, I have 10 meetings on Tuesday. So by Wednesday, I'm usually kind of tired 
And I also know that Thursday is a busy day too. So usually Wednesdays I'll make a lighter day and it's also the day that I go and get my lash extensions. <laughs> so that's usually around 1 p.m. So after 1 p.m. I'm usually done for the day, right? A lot of times I'll go get my nails done that day as well. So it's kind of a mix between a doing day and a self-care day on Wednesdays. And then Fridays are what I've been calling finish it Fridays as well as my CEO day. So CEO day to me means that I'm looking at my metrics. I'm looking at, okay, uh, planning for social media, planning for Instagram stories, planning and working on new things that I am birthing into the world and just getting all of those things done. So this is a lot around, you know, future planning for the Launch Guild as well as for the coaching and course side of my business. Hope that helps, Stephanie. In terms of the other piece of your question, what are my long-term goals? You said continuing growing the agency, courses and memberships, affiliate stuff, all of the above. The answer is definitely all of the above. (laughs) So as you guys uh, probably know, and you, Stephanie, because you have been a one-on-one client of mine, you know that I'm definitely multi-passionate. And I also believe that you can build everything. You just can't do it all at once. So last year was a lot about learning how to be an excellent CEO of my business as well as an excellent leader of an agency. And um, even earlier this year, we have worked a lot with uh, getting our SOPs really streamlined and, and making sure that the team in the agency feels really supported and they are just rock stars. They're all knocking it out of the park. And I feel really, really great about that. And what that has led to is giving me the space, time, energy to really work on the coaching and course side. So as you know, I have kind of what I call a value ladder in terms of if you just need a little bit of help, there's ways to work with me. If you need a lot of help and support, there's also ways to work with me, right? And that includes my one-off programs, which are going to be changing a little bit later this year, coming soon. Um, I'm going to have my first big thing for newer VAs, newer VAs, OBMs, and PMs, so new virtual support pros. So that's super exciting and coming soon for that. And then I also have one-on-one coaching, which is often for people who have been in business for a while but need some more one-on-one support and are looking to grow into their business, right? And then I also have my flagship program, Booked and Balanced, which is a one-on-one and group program. So those are all things that I love, love, love doing and are going to continue doing. I also have uh, been working on the affiliate side of things a little bit more. I will say that I'm still not great at that because I'm not great at blogging. (laughs) And so a lot of that involves SEO and the long-term game. And so that's probably going to be something that kind of like is a back burner for a while, probably until 2020. And then I'm going to start kicking that in high gear. But right now, the goal on the agency side is not to grow our team. I feel like our team is in a really great spot, but to be even more known for, you know, the course launches, for uh, podcast launches, for all of those pieces, because I think we're really, really strong in that. And then in terms of courses and memberships, just growing that value ladder and continuing to support all of my clients, all of the members of everything that I do at a high level on that side. So that's that goal. Okay, we've got a few more questions. You guys were fantastic with these questions. <laughs> so this one is from Jacqueline. She actually has a few questions. She said, what is one thing you think all service providers need to hear more often that is not said enough? I love that. Okay, so I think that the number one thing is that being in business is hard. 
<laughs> I think that the online space doesn't say that enough and puts out this like, you know, five clients in five days or five figures in five days. And that's often not the case. And I think what ends up happening is that people feel bad about themselves and think that it's saying something about who they are as people when that isn't the reality for them. And I think that that's wrong. So definitely that take your time, build a strong foundation and don't feel like you are not great at what you do because you're not making five figures in five days or you don't have five clients in five days. This takes a while. And what I've seen when I'm thinking about in terms of like my own journey and also the journey of other people that I know that have been in this business for a while is that the people who have longevity in this business are those who took their time and built something on a strong foundation instead of just going for the glitz and the glam of it. Uh, So yeah, that would be my advice. And then Jacqueline also asked, could you share tips and ideas for showing up live or on video for those of us who just can't gather the courage or simply don't know what to say? So yeah, I think going live has always been easy for me, but I understand that it's really not easy for a lot of people. So one of the things that we actually suggested to one of my friends recently is find a group that has only a few people. So we're in a group together, only has a few people. Go live in there. Go live in a place where you already feel supported. You can start your own group and like add two of your really good friends who you know are just gonna cheer you on and stuff. And so get the experience with that for a while. Do some Instagram stories, some shorter things, and then start doing some of the longer things. It's definitely scary, but know that 90% of the people online that are going to show up for your lives, I would say 99%, not even 90%, are amazing people and are people that want to hear what you have to say and support you. The second thing with not knowing what to say is I think often we forget that we're experts at what we do. And so we think like, oh, if I talk about, you know, Asana, like everybody knows about Asana. There are so many people who have no clue what Asana is, right? And if you give them one quick tip about what Asana can do in their lives, they're going to think that you are a genius. (laughs) So just don't overthink it and think that, you know, something is too easy or too small because honestly, it's not. And I like to use the example of like, if a mathematician was talking to me, they would have to dumb it down to like two plus two times two equals blah, (laughs) right? It would have to be that easy because I'm terrible at math, right? There are people who are amazing at what they do, but they're not amazing at what you do. And so if you show them a roadmap or a way or one easy, quick, implementable tip on how to be better at what you do, then they're going to be eternally grateful. Okay, so Jacqueline's third question is, as a VA or OBM, it seems everyone only talks about scaling by having an agency. Can you share some other ways to generate revenue without growing into an agency? Absolutely. So I will say that building an agency, having an agency is not for everyone. If you do not like managing people, you're not going to enjoy having an agency because an agency is a lot about managing people, right? And so there are definitely other ways to do it. Two other ways that I can think of right off the bat. Number one, having a signature high ticket service offering. So something that usually involves tech or strategy, any of those pieces are going to be a higher ticket thing. Uh, Something that involves a lot of different system. So 
We do course launches. As you guys know, we do podcast launches. That involves a lot of integrations with things. We do a lot of system setups. So all of those things are straight off the bat anywhere between three to $9,000 somethings and up. And creating those bigger pieces, number one, it's easier to work with fewer people on bigger projects like that than it is to work with a multitude of people, right? And number two, it gives us opportunity to, yeah, just create bigger structures and bigger impacts with our clients. Um, And then the other thing that I can think of is either passive income, which I hate the word passive income because there is nothing passive about it. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of visibility. It's, you know, putting ad dollars behind it, all of those pieces, but it can either be passive income or some type of coaching. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that you are doing long-term coaching. There are lots of people who need help and support with specific pieces of things that I know that like when you're a rock star at it, uh, you can definitely help and support them. So those are just two other quick ways. And then of course there's affiliate income as well, which we talked about I'm not great at currently, but I'm trying to be better at. (laughs) So I think any or all of those combined can really get you a really great revenue source without becoming an agency. Okay, Estella says, how did you um, build the confidence to put yourself out there and market yourself as a VA? Did you do a soft launch to get a feel for the type of response that you would get? You know what, I just jumped full in and said, hey, I'm a VA now, anybody wanna hire me? (laughs) Which I do not suggest is the best way to do it, but that's how I did it way back in the day. I'm a person who really feels empowered and okay with just trying things, right? And knowing that the worst case scenario is it doesn't work out and I try something different. So I think that that's one of the things that has been really helpful for me in this business because if I get a no, it's not the end of the world. Nobody's gonna die over me getting a no. And so I'm okay with that. But I do understand that that can be scary for other people. So I would say definitely start with people that you know, people that you know love you and will support you no matter what, and ask them if they know any business owners who are looking for help and support. You'd be really, really surprised about how uh, many people just already have a network or know somebody who owns a business and is looking for VA or virtual support of some type. And then that way, once again, you can build your confidence off of those people. And then first of all, you'll already have some referrals. And then second of all, you'll already have the confidence to put yourself out there in a bigger way. But yeah, visibility is the thing that I see as a huge differentiator between people that are doing really well and people that aren't. And the visibility piece usually comes down to a confidence piece. So when you have the confidence, you're going to be more visible, put yourself out there more, market yourself, and then that's how you get clients. (laughs) Tara says, is it better to create your own website or have it created? So there's no better. There is... It has your website or not having it or, you know, working on it become a stumbling block for just getting it done. I think there's something huge to be said about just getting it done. I'll give you this example. So when I first started as Tasha B Solutions, I created my own website. When I moved to the Launch Guild, I fully understood how to create websites. I had done it before. You know, I had done it in the past for myself and for other people and everything. But I was like, you know what? I don't have the time. I really don't want to do this. And so I found a Squarespace designer and hired her to create my website for me. And it was an absolutely great decision because she got it done in about five, five or six weeks, right? I had very little input. Like she wrote my copy. She did everything for it. And after it was done, I have gone in and tweaked things since then and everything. But 
it was one less thing that I had to worry about. So if it's become this roadblock to just getting it done, then I say hire somebody. If it's something that you want to do because you want the experience or you want you know, an opportunity to learn a new platform or something, then maybe do it. But if you don't need to do that because that's not gonna be one of your main offerings, then I say just leave it to somebody who does it all day, every day. And just like we tell our clients, stay in your zone of genius, stay in your lane, hire out what you are not an expert at. So that's what I would say about that. (laughs) Okay, last two questions. So Ebony says, how do you set up and manage your taxes as a VA and OBM? That is a great question. So I've gone through several iterations of this. I'll give you the bottom line. I follow, loosely follow the profit first system. So I have a separate tax account that for every dollar that goes in our main business account, we take out a percentage and put it in a tax account so that when it's time for taxes, we know that that money is there and can pay our tax bill for the Launch Guild. I have sometimes been great about this and actually you know, saved the full 15% that's suggested. Sometimes I haven't been so great and only saved 10%, but the bottom line is something goes into that tax account every single time we get money coming into the Launch Guild. So I think the consistency around that is the first piece and it's really, really important that you do that just because you want to train your brain and your wallet that a portion of that money is not there. It's for your taxes. Um, In terms of how you should set yourself up, whether it should be an LLC, uh, which is what we were before we just moved to an S-Corp, that is something that you want to talk to your tax professional, your accountant, whoever about. And then in terms of, in general, bookkeeping and everything, when I first started, I was using FreshBooks, which was absolutely super helpful for uh, tracking everything, for categorizing everything. And then I decided, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do it myself. So then I moved to Bench.co, which is a fantastic company. Uh, I think I was paying like $180 a month, but they did all of my bookkeeping and everything and then sent me uh, any questions that they had monthly and everything. And that was super helpful. What I found though was that as my business was growing, I needed somebody who was more of a strategic partner when it came to taxes and how to best set our taxes up and everything and how to best plan for taxes. Also like how to plan for hiring my first full-time team member, all of those other pieces with money in general. So I hired a CFO that I absolutely love working with. And so She helps us and does our bookkeeping, does the taxes for the Launch Guild, all of those pieces, but also is more forethinking in terms of tax strategy for the Launch Guild instead of just like doing our bookkeeping and showing us what happened the month before. So she helps us more with like planning and stuff like that. So that is a long, I know it was a long, kind of long-winded explanation, but I think it's really important because you want to think about the fact that like this is a long sustainable business and so how are you planning for your future retirement how are you planning for your future growth as a business how are you planning for your future needs right when your laptop dies and stuff like that all of those pieces not just the tax piece so definitely talk to an accountant or somebody that you trust in taxation who can help you decide what works best for you And last, we have Danielle Adams. She said, I'm super multi-passionate and I want to do everything. What advice do you have about pursuing all of your dreams and still niching down? I see you. You're multi-passionate. You're an OBM biz agency owner, coach, mentor, and you have a podcast. Totally rocking it, but how? (laughs) So I love this question, Danielle. (laughs) And I love Danielle, once again, is a one-on-one client of mine. And she's actually in Booked and Balanced as well. And I love that she's multi-passionate. I think that that is one of the things that makes her amazing. But it can be a downside 
if you don't put that in check and realize that you can do everything. You can build everything. You just can't build it all at once. So I didn't build my VA. I didn't become a VA and also become a VA coach and create a course at the same time, right? I became a VA and then I solidified that. And then I started coaching VAs in a one-on-one matter. And then I saw another opportunity, right? So I created my agency and hired people. And then once that was solidified, then I started Booked and Balanced and my other things that I have now. So I think that looking at, okay, what should I be doing right now? And knowing that you're going to need to stay in that lane until you grow that to the point of where it's sustainable kind of on its own, okay? And then you can start building the other pieces. But when you're trying to spread yourself too thin and build everything at once, that's when it feels like chaos and that's when it feels like you're not giving everything your all. So looking at where you wanna be in the next five years or so, I don't really like five-year plans because I feel like, how do I know what I'm going to do five minutes from now? <laughs> but looking at where you want to be, even if it's just a vague idea of it, and then saying, okay, which part of it am I going to work on now? Which part am I going to work on next, et cetera, et cetera. Same thing with my podcast. You know, my podcast isn't even a year old at this point. And so it was a question of what serves my audience best? What serves the people that I'm trying to cultivate into my community? And how do I reach them even more? And the podcast became the vehicle for that. So I hope that helps. Well, I sincerely hope you enjoyed this episode. Episode 43, first one of the season, my first Ask Me Anything Q&A. You guys brought it with the questions. I love it, love it, love it. Please stay tuned and listen to every episode in this season because I think that all of them are just going to be such a wealth of information. If you are enjoying the How She Did That podcast, I would love for you to go onto iTunes, leave a review, give me a comment, a thumbs up, five stars, all of that stuff. And I appreciate all of you for listening. Have a great day. That's it for this week's episode. Make sure you head on over to thelaunchguild.com forward slash podcast to read the show notes and grab your free download so that you can start implementing what you've learned right away. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend, leave a comment and subscribe. Remember to keep smashing your goals and pushing forward. You've got this.